Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your lady host and hippo ballerina, Sonia Stanger, and I'm joined, as <laughs> always, by my co-host, spinster ant slash serial murderer, Sean Dunham, and cartoon mouse slash wannabe wizard, Jeremy Leguie. Hi, pals. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Hi. For the last little while here on Spoiler Alert, we've been meandering through the last hundred years of film. And this week, we're talking about pictures of the 1940s, see? Now let's cut straight to the chase. As always, a spoiler alert is in full effect. You just might find out that actually, it's a pretty solid choice to get on the plane and escape to America with your handsome and loving freedom fighter husband, rather than stay with the sullen loner bar owner in Morocco just because you had a nice time in Paris together. Just saying. Exactly. Exactly. And with that, let's get right to it. So, gentlemen, what are some of your favorite movies from the 1940s? Well, I will say, as we started out last episode, the Disney films of this era Mm. are Mm -hmm. maybe the segment of Disney that are the most disturbing humanly possible. (laughs) Like that this, may be the best. Like horrific. Maybe? This is Pinocchio. This is Dumbo. Mm-hmm. This is Bambi, Bambi and Fantasia. Like this is nightmare mm-hmm. inducing. Yeah. <laughs> beautifully, the, beautifully animated, but nightmare. Beautifully inducing. animated. Um, friend of the show, Annalise Cooper, recently watched Fantasia under, um, you know, the influence. And she uh-huh. was very disturbed. Mm. There's some. Yeah, I would not advise that. There That's was very scary. disturbing things in there. Mm-hmm. Just the history mm-hmm. of the world in general in one of them. Yeah, I that. forgot about that. Just the birth of the Earth. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> such a cool concept. Like, I was reading a bit about it today and how um, someone kind of proposed it to Walt Disney and he, like, didn't know that much about classical music. And then he was like, oh, I could see this, and I'm, like, now getting interested. So what if we did these, like, this movie where sort of it's the more of the focus is on the music rather than, like, the music supporting the visuals. Um, so that is However, interesting. But, yeah, some of it's There's some pieces of music that when I hear it, I imagine mm. a, a hippopotamus in a tutu diving onto <laughs> an alligator. And it's Fair. because of this film. And it's imprinted in your mind forever. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and uh, I like so as as you you guys are aware, uh, I at times teach an animation class, mm. uh, and um, the Sorcerer's Apprentice is always a big part of that uh, because of the way I think that like, well, I think animators of the time really relied on music because it was accessible and then you didn't have to worry about stuff um but uh really like i I don't know what you i don't know what you want to call that syncing things up to music is just done in such a way that both really complement each other Mm -hmm. and make something a bit a bit bigger Mm -hmm. and i remember um i think it was in was it in 2000 the the phrase fantasia 2000 is is in my mind um uh that was the real release from the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for, for real, for real. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember like being excited about this new Disney movie, and then everyone telling me how much it sucked. Mm. It sucked, and well, I really like it. Like I, I do, and I don't know. Like I think it might be the like Jeremy version of like the MTV music videos or something. Oh. <laughs> Not that I'm huge into classical stuff, but like I could just have it like on a TV, and uh, um, you know re 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 grip my deck in the background. You oh know, my like god, Jeremy, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, so is Fantasia 2000 just um, sort of the exact same, but. Uh, did I, just hold on. Did I just make this up in my mind? No. Or is this no. a thing? No, it's I a, thought it, it was just a, a remastering, but... Is it just a I remaster? Think, I think you're right. Oh, okay. I believe... I think They may have added, like, Because I was like, if they did a whole new thing, I'd be quite interested to see. Hmm. Fantasia 2000. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Google, you guys. Okay, Jeremy's also, gonna do some research. The remastering doesn't really... Like, yeah. not a lot really changes. No offense, remasters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, to be honest. Like Beauty, Beauty and the Beast 3D is still the same. Yeah. It's actually Ooh, not 100%. 3D. There, wasn't there a part okay. where her dress comes out or something? <laughs> Hold on, I'm so, I'm so confused. So, Fantasia 2000 looks like like there's mention of Steve Martin, Quincy Jones, Bette Midler, James Earl Jones, Penn and Teller, Angela Lansbury. Uh, we're Do- gonna have to have a Fantasia 2000 show, you guys. I don't know enough about this. <laughs> okay. I just thought it was a re. I just thought it was out on VHS. Does Angela but Lansbury play to- a broom? Does it say the role they play? Uh, <laughs> or the teapot? Stand by. Stand. By. You know Stand what? By. I'm gonna make an executive decision that we will come back to this after the. Well, I mean, it was. It it was made in two thousand, so we don't have to. Yeah, it's not relevant to today's. <laughs> it's show. not relevant to this conversation. So yeah, again, true. gentlemen, I ask you, what are mm-hmm. some of your favorite films of the nineteen forties? You're evading uh, my I'll question. See, I'll, I'll I'll jump in here and not evade the question like Sean did. Um, uh, to me, uh, I, I'm going to say some pretty controversial stuff as I'm known to do. Oh boy. Um, but um. Uh, I want to talk about a little a little movie called The Sands of Iwo Jima, mm. uh, starring John Wayne and some other folks who I don't I don't remember, nor remember from their film really. Um, but uh, it's I think it's in forty nine, uh, so it's it's real hardcore American propaganda movie mm. starring John Wayne in what I would I will say and I will say several times throughout this program, uh, I think is the better John Wayne. Before he became, and I'm putting my hands up in air quotes, John Wayne, where he just played mm. that same character until he was in Real Grit. Right. Um, and which, again, he still played this, well, sort of the same guy, but... Um, you mean True Grit? Yeah, I do. Thank okay. you. Um, I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Me just thinking um, it's a cowboy movie I've never heard of. I think that's what happens when you like are reading your list and talking uh-huh. at the same time, but it doesn't matter. Um, if you guys have not seen The Sands of Iwo Jima... Uh, it is about a group of Marines who are in the war, and it's bad, and uh, John Wayne plays, I think his name's Stryker, of course. which is like a really okay, cool, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's it's sort of this really typical, like, like late 40s war film, mm. where they have these sort of like long scenes of people talking, and then the... The fighting's a bit weird because of the haze Code situation. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I really appreciate the Sands of Iwo Jima because they did some really cool things in, like, like there's these Marines, like, looking at this battle going on, and the camera's just panning over their faces for, like, probably way too long. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still, like, just this very human look at what went on. Actually surprisingly close you know, and uh, there's a lot of stuff now, like the world has advanced. So we understand what, uh, what's the, Sonia, what's the, what's the thing called where you've got uh, stress from the past that's affecting your future? <laughs> what's the thing? Thank you. Um, but it, it kind of is, is, is hinting at that mm. sort of like, like, you know, like I think there's some people who understood what happened and then through this art, they're mm. actually able to like, Look at a thing. Well, yeah, I mean, um, people have talked well, about shell shock since the First World War. And oh, it, yeah, there was probably a bunch of veterans wandering around, literally shell shock. Yeah, like, I think like, people knew that with, the, it was a problem. Something's up but... with these boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, this film, of course, ends with the iconic scene that you've all seen from the photograph, uh, where the oh, yeah. all the army soldiers are lifting the flagpole. Uh, and spoiler alert, it's right after John Wayne's character dies, and then they sort oh of literally walk off into this mist to keep fighting. Um, and it's just like a really good sort of depiction of what happened, really close. Like, like maybe they had people who were involved, or, you know, like some... Mm. Anyway, uh, it, it, I, it's a little, like all things of this time, it's a little slow, but I still think that it's actually like pointing towards something very real. And uh, I very much appreciate it for that. Okay. And what and what may be John Wayne's best movie? I'm not going to say that, but I'm not not going to say that. You're I'll putting it out it. there. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Sean. <laughs> um, there. I have to be honest. There wasn't a ton of '40s films that when I was perusing that I've seen before. Mm. Um, so I watched a few Anubes this week. One of them was 
called The Miracle of Morgan Creek. Um, mm. It ranks number 54 on AFI's top 100 funniest films in film history. And Ooh. I maybe want to say that I don't think it belongs there, but that might just be me. <laughs> I did not find it to be that way. Um, basically, it is about a woman who she wants to... The, all of the... All of the soldiers in town are off to go to war the next day. So she goes out, she party, party, parties to send them off in a great way. But then the next day, she doesn't remember a thing um, because she partied too hard, except mm. because of the Hayes Code, she was not allowed to be drunk. She just, there was a moment where somebody lifted her up and she whacked her head on a, uh, a disco ball. And then that led to her not remembering the rest of the night. It was a just like a very weird workaround um, when everyone watching is like, oh, yeah, she was drunk. But OK, I'm, bl- I'm, I'm blown away that the disco ball was like, that's that's mind blowing to me. Carry on, Sean. Sorry. Yeah, it, blew, just... it blew her mind out, too. So Ooh. then she woke up the next day. She was discovered that she had been married. She had a wedding ring on. She did not remember who the, the father or who her husband was. And she discovers she is also pregnant. And so now she's in a sitch. Whoa! And so then her and her 14-year-old sister sort of try to get finagle ways to get out of this. And um, there's a man that's always kind of after her. And she, he's too sweet for her. But she decides that she should marry him. And then it will not look illegitimate. But then obviously all these things happen. And it's very madcap. It's honestly too madcap. There's so mm-hmm. much going on. Um, people are... Falling, sliding, jumping out of windows. Uh, there's a their father is this man that he's just like his. The big joke is he's really abusive. Like he's always about to like hit someone, but then like people have to like his daughters have to like tackle him down and hold him while the person <laughs> runs away, or like he'll try to kick someone in the butt and wind up really hard and then fall in his own butt. It's very <laughs> like I, I like I think people are supposed to be laughing, but I was like, this man is very angry. He's going to hurt yeah. someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of themes that I feel like explain some of the generational trauma that many people have in terms yes, of like, like angry paternal figures. This man is trying to commit <laughs> violence and they're barely yeah. stopping him. Um, and anyway, this is sort of a spoiler alert, but the way that they get out, they both basically are both, they found out they're both going to jail, but then she gives birth and surprise, she has six children and so then it becomes such a big news story that they uh that the governor pardons them and they're allowed to not go to jail (laughs) wow sounds hilarious it's wild it's really wild and so that is the the miracle of morgan's creek (laughs) and yeah i I honestly don't know if i don't think i suggested it (laughs) but it was the work that i did this week so yeah, I appreciate we appreciate that boots on the ground labor, Sean. Yes, we do. You're doing it. Thank You're you. You're getting eyes on things so other people don't have to. Um, well, one of my favorite movies from the '40s, um, which I had seen a long time ago, but maybe not in its entirety, and I rewatched uh, this week, which is also on that AFI list, but it's higher ranked, and I feel more <laughs> accurately belongs on that list. <laughs> Um, although it does begin, like, almost the first thing in it is a joke about domestic violence. So, that's a oh, theme. Yeah. Um, and that is The Philadelphia Story, um, which stars Katherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart. Um, it's from 1940, directed by George Cucker. And it is, oh, it's so good, you guys. First of all, Katherine Hepburn, I mean, come on. like. Yep incomparable and a very absurdly her career was in a real slump like she was considered box office poison at the time that this movie was made and this actually revived her career and she went on to do a bunch more stuff and meet spencer tracy um but she plays a difficult socialite uh tracy samantha lord who has just the best transatlantic accent you've ever heard in your entire life um, who is divorced from uh, C.K. Dexter... <laughs> What's his name? C.K. Dexter Heaven? Or something Haven. like that? Haven? <laughs> Dex- Dexter um, Haven. Dexter Haven. 
Uh, thank you, yes. And, so his first name um, is CK? His first name is CK, last name Dexter Haven. Got it. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's no, no, and there's no hyphen. So. <laughs> they had a, a fiery, uh, you know, romance, and then he socked her one, as people repeatedly make jokes about, and then oh she God. left him. Um, and she's now remarrying a man she doesn't really love, who's kind of nouveau riche, George Kittredge. Um, and everyone in her family still loves Dexter, or Dex as they call him. Um, but she's determined to sort of like make this new way for herself. She's, she's, this is what she's choosing, even though it's probably not the best thing for her. He shows up. He, he's also a, um, basically a paparazzi journalist, like a, you know, kind of sleazy journalist. <laughs> is, and is so he, he Cary gets, Grant? Or he's he Cary Grant. Story? Sorry. Yes. He's okay. Cary Grant. He gets blackmailed or he, he like is doing blackmail on behalf of his boss of uh, Tracy's father, who is philandering with a dancer in New York. Classic. Uh, classic rich father mm-hmm. problems. Who is um, yep. So she she notoriously will not let any journalists near her. Like, she's a socialite. The papers all want to write about her, but she's very private. So he sends Jimmy Stewart and this other young woman, who are posing as her brother's friends, to go to her wedding and sort of report on the goings-on. And basically, it's just, there's not even, like, that much of a plot, honestly. It's just, like, things kind of unravel from there. Um, and everyone says, you know, witty, funny things. And people are pretending to be someone and pretending to be someone else. And then um, Catherine Hepburn wears some really great outfits. And <laughs> um, I am surprised, actually. I don't, I meant to do research on this and then forgot, classic me. Um, I don't know how any of this got through the Hayes Code because there's drinking. She's basically involved with three different men over the course of the movie. Spoiler alert. There are a lot of implications of things. Um, it's like a pretty, pretty full on. So I don't know if it was just that, like, if something was kind of commercially successful enough and the people wanted it that it would was acceptable yeah. or like you had big enough stars and studios attached that's something i should learn more about but the philadelphia story would definitely recommend if only to just sit there and listen to katherine hepburn say witty things in her wonderful voice <laughs> yeah philadelphia story um okay what else what else did you watch this week what else do you love um what else uh i uh i i i have seen these before but uh, I watched a lot of cartoons this week because mm. I kind of I kind of forgot about stuff and then I would remember and find it again. Um, but um, Fleischer Studios, who did like Betty Boop mm. and other things, which we'll talk about next week, maybe. Oh yeah. Um, but um, they did. I think it's like fourteen or seventeen um, ten minute Superman oh. um, cartoons. Um, anyway, uh, the, the history lesson here is that the Fleischer Studios by the, I think the Fleischer Brothers, if I'm not mistaken, um, they, they got really go famous. Did they go yeast? They did only, not. That's the only Fleischer that I have uh, reference to. <laughs> what they did invent was, uh, rotoscopy. Uh, oh. so that was the act of, of filming someone or taking film and then drawing over it to get these really lifelike animations. And, um... They're, they're sort of a big line in the sand and sort of like learning how to make these things look really real because other animators could take what they had done and like look at it. And I think if I'm not mistaken, this is where like a lot of the way like Superman moves and stuff came from. So they sort of like figured it out based on like, like finding the actual movement between comic drawings, like the way that he was depicted. Um, the Superman cartoons all start off with the same very, very famous uh, intro, yeah. which you all know in your hearts about uh, him being able to leap over buildings in a single bound and all that stuff. And you always get a brief history of Krypton and it always blows up. Um, and then it kind every of time. goes into this like <laughs> every time this like um, kind of like almost silent, but with a little bit of talking uh, thing. Uh, and there's a really famous, I think it's episode two of, um, all these robots robbing a bank. Like there's this mad scientist guy controlling all these robots. 
Um, everything looks super, super good because it's all based off like humans moving. So even when Superman flies or any of the, the actors, Lois, anything, it all looks great. And um, uh, I found out this week that this bank robbery scene, I thought I had seen it, but I might have seen it in, um, oh God, what's his name? He did Spirited Away. Oh, uh, no, Miyazaki. Yes, he's ripped it off twice on purpose, like citing his sources because he loves it so much. And it's so cool. And like, it's actually kind of dark, like it's kind of crazy. But um, the more you read about these things, this is where all of these like DC current shows, like there's the Batman show mm -hmm. and all that. All of that is based off of of this sort of template. Um, and it really holds up well. And uh, everything is Creative Commons now. Because of the the nice. deals that went down, so it's all watchable, uh, and it's all really great, and everyone should check it out. Nice. Uh, spoiler alert: Superman saves the day every single time. Every time. <laughs> every time. Well, spoiler alert: It's not a brain. It's not a it's not a bird. It's not a plane. Mm -hmm. It actually <laughs> in the end you'll find it's Superman. Every Ooh, time. Yeah, we'll find yeah, that. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what else did you watch this week? Hmm. Well, I watched another one, but maybe I will save it for after the break because it's a lengthier mm. discussion. But okay. um, the I have seen uh, films that I have seen of this era are Maltese Falcon, mm -hmm. and I've also seen mm. Citizen Kane, but I have not mm. seen that since uh, film school because it's not really the type of film that you just go out. It's not really a comfort watch. You just sit and as watch far it. As I remember. <laughs> just to put your feet up but, and, and watch. But, but show them the deep focus. The deep focus. <laughs> That's the thing, is it's like I like <laughs> there's so many things to applaud, um, mm -hmm. filmmaking wise, but you know, it's not really a I well, maybe it is. I don't know. Would you guys well, put on Kate, Citizen Kane can just I, to can I cut in for a hot second here and say Yes, something? please. Guys, I have a big announcement. Oh my god. Go. After three it's, years of hosting a movie it's podcast, this is it. I watched What's Citizen happening? Kane. Whoa. Sonya. It was good. Whoa. All right. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> that was anticlimactic. Uh, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, pretty, pretty legit. This is yeah. what the public opinion is Citizen Kane, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> That's what the people think. Sorry well, about y'all. Well, what struck me about it, I was like, oh, I can see a lot of things in terms of the narrative structure, especially that are that have really found their place in movies now. Like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, this was the blueprint for that kind of fractured, like, well, I don't know if it was the only blueprint, but it was definitely, it obviously like popularized, I would say, maybe. Am I right? That sort of it like interstitial. Pioneered, like, sure, yeah. It's things that I would think that are so used universally that I didn't even yeah. think they had an invention, but like just calendar pages flipping over to show that time mm. is going by. Things mm -hmm. like that. Or like, um, I'll, like there's a scene where they're eating him and his wife that are slowly getting more and more growing apart. Yeah. And they just show breakfasts day after day as they literally grow apart at the table and like stop paying attention to each other. Yeah, like basically montages. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, a, a montage inve inventor. Not well, not 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 invented, of course. Mm. That'll be next show. Um, but uh, next show, uh, yeah, Soviet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Soviet. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think I I like I have these like memories of Citizen Kane, and I I do remember like all of those big scenes because I like. There's where he's, like, giving his speech where you have to have, like, that amount of people. And they can fake so many people, but, like, you know, you, you still at some point have to get a get whole bunch people. of dudes on bleachers to, you know, to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I think, if nothing else, watching Citizen Kane does sort of, like, get people into the world of Orson Welles and, mm -hmm. like, what, what he was doing. And um, what was his... Uh, what was that project that was like half real life, half, um, oh. it's, he, he, yeah, it's, it was, uh, like, I can't, they, they released it this, and there's this like documentary about it wind? and yes, uh, oh, it's gonna, Shape I'll look it up after. Yeah. 
But the thing that's funny is he's describing reality TV. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the thing that's shocking is like he's got this idea that he and the world are not ready for, and like it's this like crazy narrative life thing, and uh, you know this led to that. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you know if 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 you're like oh that was that was cool the next thing is crazier and crazier, but um, and then eventually you get to Jersey Shore. But do you think the craziest thing is that somebody named a toboggan? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> I think it uh, was maybe just like the brand name. Uh from from a man who has a named toboggan, <laughs> I don't think it's that crazy. What is your um, named toboggan? But, uh are the toboggan that my friend and I crafted out of uh, two skis and a piece of plywood. Amazing. We refer to uh, affectionately as the Herkimer. Oh. Well, uh, <laughs> On that note, we have, we have to go psychoanalyze Jeremy and his sled. Um, <laughs> it's time now for us to take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. So grab a malted milk, practice your Lindy Hop, and we'll be right back with more spoiler alert here on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to talking about the movies of the 40s in just a minute. But first... Um, do you broads know what time it is? <laughs> these these old broads don't know. It's game time, people. Oh. Wah, 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 wah. I think that's actually 30s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the game is where I spend just a few minutes this week looking for a title related to our topic that these two have not seen. I tell them what, no, I tell them the title. They tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. And we all have a great time. Are you guys ready to play the game? I'm ready. Oh, yes. Here we go. This week's title is A Lady Takes a Chance. That title again, A Lady Takes a Chance. Just a lady, hey? Just a uh, a singular lady. Okay. A lady, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, a non-hint for you guys is that I will be reading the Wikipedia entry in its entirety. (laughs) It does not make sense. I love it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I believe that A Lady Takes a Chance is about, mm-hmm. so um, a man, a very nice man, but very, not very good with the ladies. He owns a, a dog shelter. He is very good with the dogs. He's very bad with people. Um, and then he, he gets a litter in that uh, the owners have named every single one of the puppies Chance. And it, he's <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. But so he's got, he's got eight puppies named Chance. And then mm-hmm. a woman, uh, a beautiful woman, comes in one day, and the lady takes a chance, and he is really smitten with her. And so he kind of the rest of the film is trying to uh, find a way to get into her life and uh, and make her notice him. Very, and it's very fun. Uh, okay, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you. That actually does uh, sound like it would be a movie in the 40s. It, <laughs> like, does, it does. They're like, that's the premise we came up with. And after that, it just unravels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sonia? Okay, I think A Lady Takes a Chance is about an upper-class gal with a wonderful transatlantic accent who's probably played by an actress in her 30s, um, even though she's supposed to be in her 20s. And... um. It's honestly literally just her, like, going out and doing things that we take for granted as freedoms now. Like, I don't know, making her own life choices and having her own property. (laughs) 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 Saying no to men about stuff. I don't know. I really thought that was going to go somewhere, and then it really didn't. Um, Well, you were the lady that took the chance in this this I took the chance, (laughs) and it didn't pay off. Um, Just like it probably didn't for ladies to take chances back then. Um, and then you know what? There's some jokes about domestic violence, some madcap <laughs> physical humor. <laughs> someone and... gets popped one. <laughs> yep, someone gets popped one, and it ends in marriage, and everyone's happy. Perfect. Uh, okay, yeah. Both of you uh, hit on a lot of things that are hauntingly close to uh, to what to what happened. Uh, and kudos to both of you for not going the monopoly route, which is what I thought you'd both oh. both jump at. Monopoly. Um, I think part of the 
reason I struggled is that all I can hear in my head is a song from Chicago that it goes like, when Velma takes the stand. And that's yeah. all my brain will say is, a lady mm. takes a chance. And it just wouldn't generate oh. anything else. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, okay. Um, you are so both wrong helpful. in many ways, shapes and forms. Uh, a Lady Takes a Chance is a 1943 American romantic comedy film. I will now read the plot in full uh, as accurately as I can on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of Parts of sentences missing here. I'm not sure what happened. Oh, I God. still think it's funny. We need okay. to be getting a wage for these Wikipedia editors. Here, that's <laughs> that is true. Okay, three of her suitors protest when Molly J. Truesdale, on a whim, boards a bus in New York City to find out what life in the American West is like. Molly goes to a rodeo where a bucking bronco tosses rider Duke Hudkins right into her lap. <laughs> Duke, oh, Duke buys. Duke buys her a beer afterward, and then Molly brings him <laughs> luck while gambling. But his partner, Waco, warns her that Duke is not the right guy for her. This is where it gets weird. In a campfire, more worried about his horse than her, Duke discovers his horse Sammy's blanket has been borrowed by Molly yeah. and is furious with her when Sammy catches cold. <laughs> Giving... Oh my god! <laughs> almost done. Almost done. Giving up, Molly goes home to New York and her waiting suitors, who are astounded when a tall cowboy suddenly shows up and carries Molly away. And illustrated on the poster is John Wayne carrying Jean Arthur away. Um, wow! Again, I do think I do think this is the golden age of of John Wayne. I, I would almost say that he is charming in this movie. Well, he better. Uh, that seems like I his have, only I job. I to believe it. <laughs> Except for yanking that blanket out of her hands. It's, yeah, just, can to get back to Sammy. Cold? Well, Sammy's get catches cold, you guys. That's, that's I don't what know that says. that can happen. I don't know what that means. Maybe that just means the horse is cold. But you well, guys, thank you well, for playing my weird little game. The horse has <laughs> to you, drink a little bowl of chicken noodle soup and Maybe. lay on the couch for a bit. Mm-hmm. Just oh, the horse sneezes are funny. Mm. Oh, so funny. Well, I lost myself <laughs> in that little reverie for a minute. But let's get back to talking about the 40s. So before the break, Sean, you had said that you wanted to wait until after the break mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. a movie. And yes. guess what? It's, it's after, after the, the break. break. And my tease. This is a full-on foreshadow here. My tease is here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I watched a film called Rope. By one Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. Have you guys yep. had, have you guys seen this? I have um, not. So his it was kind of an experimental film where he it it was filmed to look like it was one take, which was impossible because I think the camera could only hold like ten minutes of footage or something. But he yes. would do a bunch of disguising where he would I, honestly it was not disguised well. It was he would just like go right into someone's suit jacket and then like pop right back out again or like into a piece of furniture and come out again. Um, But it was still really fun. The, um, so the premise is these two men that live together. They, I feel like they're given homo vibes, Mm. but maybe I'm reading into it, but honestly, I feel like that was the intent. But anyway, I I would agree. Yeah. I think that's what I thought when I like, that was definitely, yeah, what I thought as well when I watched it. Because somehow these these twenty year old men uh, live in the same apartment. I have a housekeeper. Who knows why? Anyway, it opens with them literally strangling a man, and then oh. <laughs> like the opening scene is like he is the man dies, and then they put him in a chest, and they and then they are like they commit this murder as sort of a intellectual exercise to show that they could do it perfectly because they're, I don't know, a feat feat to fully (laughs) normal people. Um, And then it's all in real time too. So they're like, a dinner party is happening right away. Um, And so they host this dinner party with the victim's family and his girlfriend uh, and old professor of all of theirs. They all come to this party and, um, and the camera is just sort of whipping around this party as people are sort of, the two, one is sort of panicking more than the other, and they're all, you know, trying to 
get over, like, people are trying to figure out where this guy is. There's just, like, normal conversations happening. Um, and then there's just, like, so much good choreo of this party. I was, like, I was very impressed. Mm. And also because the uh, the film set was, like, all of the walls and furniture that had to be, like, as the camera moved through, the walls would, like, fall away or, like, um, to allow sound, you know, the camera guy and all that. Um, anyway... What am I trying to say? The reviews did not love it. Everyone was like, oh, they tried an exercise. It did not work out. I thought it was great. Um, the performances Ooh. were very fun. There's like a, a long conversation that three of them have about what the name of this film is that they saw. And they're just all trying to remember it. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is plays their, he's like their old professor or something. Or like a school chum. And he sort of figures out that they're hiding something. Uh, and there's a, a great scene where those two are arguing and the camera just stays on James Stewart's face as he's sort of like looking at the, like clicking things together. Anyway, it was like, it was, a, I don't know. I like, I enjoyed it. It was very tense. Uh, I really like, love the real time play. Yeah. A real time. Yeah. It was basically like, a real time uh, play. Yeah. It's a, essentially. And, um, I think like in the, you know, the wake of plays that became movies. Um, this was like a really cool way to sort of like leverage the fact that it is just a camera that needs to move around. I think it must have been in like a horribly large box or something because they, they used to have to soundproof them, right? Like cameras were too loud to record anything. They would have had to like after dub it or soundproof the box. Mm. But um, uh, I also like this is I'm just reiterating the same statement I've said for three years on the show isn't rope like just over an hour or like it's very mm-hmm. short yeah it's it's not uh, that long it's yeah probably an hour 50 yeah or something yeah yeah but um i just think it's such a tight movie like i just like it's it's so well done there at no point do i feel like like we're like wasting time which is what kind of what i think happens in a lot of these real-time mm. things or like playing time over again yeah in in things um i'm sure it was like hell it's to just... shoot for the actors but oh it would have been nuts right they would have just done the same thing again and again but the but, dialogue um... feels so just like oh we're just chattering inanely about something yeah there's like a a huge amount of like realness to it i get like like you know as people talk not necessarily over one another because they they're pretty careful about that from what i recall but there are parts um... that i was impressed by where two like the camera would go over to like two people are talking sort of in a corner but you can hear the full conversation on the other side of the room but just yeah. like softer and i was just like this yeah. seems like so well thought out and just like i don't know impossible to pull off it's hitchcock y'all it's hitchcock y'all. it's good i know we should do a hitchcock epi actually that would be great yeah, yeah. i agree because there's a lot of hitchcock films that i would like to Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about what a delight he was to work with. Exactly. <laughs> and how he treated women great. Um, I don't know why. I always have to take it there. Um, Jer? Yeah? Anything you'd like to talk about? Uh, I, I would like to talk about something which kind of leads to a joke I didn't intend to make, but that's okay. Um, have you guys ever heard of... Uh, it's it's a pair of movies, um, and it's one is called Jesse James... And the other is called The Return of Frank James. No. Um, I've not so, heard of this pair of uh, movies. These, is these it a movies sequel or I, are they actually a pair? It's, it's a direct sequel. And what from what I can tell, it was made 20 minutes apart. I don't actually think that's true. But it was like <laughs> literally the next year. Um, Jesse James uh, is this pretty standard Western. No, I shouldn't say that. It's a very good Western. Um, and it's just about like what drove Jesse James to become the outlaw. Um, most notably his brother is played by his brother Frank James is played by uh uh Peter Fonda. Oh yeah. okay. Uh anyway, um it's good. It's got good action, things move through the story. I don't know if you guys know the story, but it's like land ownership and all these different things, and they killed a man to prevent it because they killed his mom. Um and then uh, you know, things things progress, and of course it ends with uh the coward Robert Ford shooting Jesse James in the back. Which is how that story always goes. The um, of course, yeah. that's everyone that's how knows it, that. But that's that's uh, that's the thing you don't do. And, <laughs> right. 
That's a, it's a big thing. A lot yeah, of people yeah. know this. It's fine. Um, the thing I love about it is that the sequel, The Return of Frank James, is like dealing with the repercussions of the previous film, mm. which are which is kind of boring. <laughs> so is it him shows just what happens like to the br- signing papers, figuring out uh, all well, the attorneys. Arranging it, a funeral. It's <laughs> yeah. um. So it's uh he 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 seeks out the men who killed his brother and he kills one of them and uh there's a trial like it's like all these like weird things that probably happen but are more boring to see but um it's directed by Fritz Lang mm. so you've got a lot of talent there and there's a lot of reflexivity in it where like he knows what he's doing but he's also phoning it in so this is like strange scenes of like like as if you were watching a Western, watching a Western. I don't know. It's strange. Mm. Um, but I think that the return of Frank James is quote unquote, the best Western. And I'm not talking about the hotel chain. So that's the <laughs> joke we're trying to tiptoe around. Mm. Um, but uh, it is just this like really textbook early Western executed to perfection. And it's kind of super boring <laughs> in that regard. But if you want like, the the seminal like people will disagree with me but i feel like it's this sequel that mm. is just super random totally made for money i don't know if it worked by a guy who was so bored he just like was like okay everybody let's just do it like let's just let's just move along well we can't be mad um, at them getting their bag i guess but... that's yeah. true that's true but uh check it out uh if you like these westerns keeping in mind that this is not very much not the spaghetti western it has absolutely no coolness factor to it whatsoever. There's no uh, pasta, that I've discussed. It's not a best. I've, disc- <laughs> I've discussed previous times. So, <laughs> does it feature any depiction of indigenous people? Um, it definitely has some very awkward things uh, with uh, African American uh, people. Oh, good. Uh, which is a, a word that I'm going to use to code the word that they use. Um, I can't remember. I mean, probably, but that's that's one of the things for what with Westerns for me. And like, we don't have to get into Mm -hmm. it. You know, (laughs) I don't think it's like, that's Mm -hmm. like a hot take that they are rife with anti-indigenous racism. And like, Mm -hmm. I think we're like an important kind of cultural factor in the continuation of some of those ideas. Yeah. Um, so that always is just tough for me because it's like, yeah, you'll be watching, you know, an old Western and you're like, okay, this is cool. Like, you know, I'm not crazy mm-hmm. about guns, but here I am. Yeah. And then, and then something and then so racist happens right and you're like, oh, geez, Louise. Um, but, but it is like really this thing about this, like, especially in film depictions of this time, this like untamed West and like all of these things. And in reality, it's just bad white people fighting good mm. quote-unquote good white people and like really making up these stories that like kind of just didn't happen yeah basically yeah well, they didn't like yeah anyway yeah yeah anyway uh but uh in terms of that depiction this is a really good one so okay cool I'll just put it there <laughs> great not so great for black people but <laughs> no not at all no very um, much no wait till the well, third one Speaking mm-hmm. of not so great for black people, which is not my favorite transition I've ever done, and I sort of <laughs> wish I hadn't just said that out loud. Um, I'm going to talk about what I think is one of the worst movies of the 1940s. Um, oh. And you guys can feel free to talk about the worst as well when we come back around. I, You know I like to keep it a little loosey-goosey with these decade episodes, and everyone can just talk about what they want to. But I would like to talk briefly about a little picture called Song of the South which people may have heard of, or honestly, they may not have, because Disney has done, made a concerted effort to sort of just pretend it never happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to say about this movie. Um, There's a really interesting series, actually, on the podcast, You Must Remember This, where she does like a whole deep dive into the Song of the South. I'm not going to do any kind of justice in that regard. Like, so if you are more interested to learn more, do that. But basically, it is a very romantic portrayal of uh plantation life post-civil war in the u.s and uh its main character uncle remus very much falls under the magical negro stereotype which obviously is an offensive word but that's the point of the it's commentary Mm -hmm. (laughs) um 
And uh, yeah, it just fe- features like very stereotypical kind of like pidgin English um, to depict, you know, the way black people spoke, which obviously isn't entirely accurate and sort of erases the rich and important cultural context behind things like dialect. Um, yeah, it just, it just, I think just reinforces a very romantic idea of the Reconstruction era South that did not do anyone any favors. But also, I just want to touch on in this kind of same theme, which we haven't really talked about racism a lot in these last, you know, few episodes, which there were lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of racist movies made in, you know, oh, well, these last, still like, there are. Four decades of but yeah like especially the first half of the 20th century exactly um and i just wanted to talk quickly about like the prevalence of blackface and sort of the legacy of minstrelsy that is very very present in movies of this era especially in the musicals and like i i mean all like all american entertainment is in some ways sort of on the lies on the foundation of minstrelsy and blackface um you know the stereotypes are still present Cultural appropriation is still, you know, a rampant issue, but it is pretty wild that just like any musical you watch from this era, there is going to either be a blackface number or like an Arab number or like someone's gonna, you know, paint their face yellow. Like it just is never ending. So I just feel like that's uh, one of the worst things <laughs> about movies of this decade <laughs> and many of the surrounding decades. And it's so weird that. Like, for me as a kid in the 90s, all I knew was that the song zippity doo was fun, and this nice <laughs> old black man sang it to me on this, like, compilation tape I had. Yeah, and I also had And it was completely this... divorced from its context. I had the same compilation tape, and I was like, yeah. zippity doo um, But, yeah, and little did I know that the film that it had escaped from is deep in the Disney vault. Rooted in controversy. And it's so funny that they are only now changing Space Mountain, but... Good job, Disney, what did, I guess. What was, what was up with Space Man? It, or sorry, Splash Man. Oh, Man. I was okay, like, what? Space Man? Like, what, what are they? That's crazy. I've never been, but Splash I had Mountain no idea. Splash was originally based on Song of the South, was right. where I was going with that. Mm. No, I got it. All right. Well, now that I made that, you know, little statement, um, in the last five minutes, any other movies from the 40s that you guys want to talk about? Well, I did a little look to see what was some of the worst films of the 40s. And mm-hmm. as I said, I this I don't like I'm sorry to the forties, but I just don't think you're my decade. But Ooh, I could not I sorry to this decade. But I one that kept popping up that I was like, okay, I need to like li- look what this is about is called the Babe Ruth story. And it was just like this is a horrible movie. And I was like, what is it about? And so it is a biopic about Babe Ruth, but it portrays him as like sort of not just like a good baseball player, but one of the greatest men and maybe like sort of a magical man that has like ever lived. <laughs> and there is a scene where he smiles at a disabled boy and uh, cures him. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my. The uh, Christ-like situation. Yeah. Is that, so, is that amazing. Yeah. So anyway. Does, it, does he turn a bat into wine, Sean? <laughs> he turned, yeah, the bat turned into two fishes. Everyone they fed the entire uh, viewing party. Yeah. Uh, I obviously haven't seen it. I don't think anyone should see it, but it is it. It was something of interest that popped up for me today. Cool. It sounds like it's very factual, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, we don't know actually what Babe ha- was capable of. Yeah. So. Um, uh, this is not a bad movie. Uh, I don't. I didn't pick any bad movies, but I did pick a movie that I meant to watch for a really long time, and have finally now almost finished. Uh, I will also just insert here that uh, Casablanca is good, and people should watch it. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. th- this is a movie that, for whatever reason, has eluded me for quite some time, uh, and that's uh, Chaplin's The Great Dictator, mm. um, oh. where he plays sort of a, a, a trampish character and then a trampish dictator. Um, and it's, of course, his first sound movie. Um, I, I don't know if I expected to hate the sound or not. Mm. Um, but he still really holds it together. And um, we'll talk 
a bit more about all these guys next week, but the physical comedy that they were able to pull off without any of those safety rules is absolutely incredible. Um, I think I could probably watch Chaplin's imitation of Hitler on a loop because mm. uh, it is just so crazy and still really accurate. Um, yeah. And, and uh, it's it's just kind of like funny how they really got this like pretty like comical bit out of these really awful things. Yeah. And it still just kind of works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's still just like, oh yeah, this is funny. This is good. This is working for me. Well, I um, feel like it's the it's the Mel Brooks school of like you laugh exactly. at the dark thing, the scary thing. Yeah. And and take away its power by showing how ridiculous yeah. it is. And you can see the influence, right? Like you like it is so clear. Um but uh, I don't know why I put off watching it for so long cuz uh it's really it's really great. Yeah, yeah, I've meant to watch it forever too and I never have. I've only seen clips. I guess yeah, I just kind of assume a... that it's going to be a bummer, but mm. which no, no, is. it's yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. I don't know. It's Chaplin, so yeah, it's Chaplin, baby. You know, horrible things happen, and he kind of like makes the best of his way through it. And there, like, there's really great scenes where he's like walking with with soldiers, and then he realizes that in in a mix-up, he's with the bad guys. And he just sort of scoots away like a, a human cartoon. Like, it's like, <laughs> yes. it's just like, it's so good. Well, truly, anyway. like, no one could move like that. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, yeah, in the last, like, minute, I'll just say shout out to Arsenic and Old Lace. Yes. Oh, to Casablanca. Yeah. Shout out to yes. It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. And also shout out to The Third Man, which is another great Orson Welles movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good, but I... I couldn't describe it. Like, I'm like, I couldn't tell you what happens in that movie. Well, first there's two men, and then another joins them. And that is all the time we have for this week. So I'd like to give a shout out to Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, my co-hosts, Sean and Jeremy, everyone at CJTR, and to you, our sweet listeners, for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Thursdays at noon, and we're available as a podcast on CJTR's website and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Have a great week. See ya. Bye.